You're listening to Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. For more information, check out chrisblair.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is another episode of Stories Behind the Songs. I'm your host, Chris Blair, and I'm really excited about this week. I'm sitting down with my buddy, James McNair. James is from South Carolina originally, then he went to college in Alabama and ended up in Nashville in 2013. I met James in St. Augustine, Florida, where I host the St. Augustine Songwriters Festival every year, which, by the way, check it out. If you haven't been there before, it's a great time, and um, come say hey to me if you uh, if you make it to the festival. So anyway, I met James when we were at that festival, and we hit it off, and he's such a great guy. His songwriting has taken off, and we talk about his story in this podcast and the story behind some of the hits he wrote, like... Uh, the song you wrote for Luke Combs, Loving On You and Used To You. Just a great story. We're also going to talk about how he got his first pub deal with Tree Vibes and Brian Kelly from Florida Georgia Line, along with a great partnership at Sony uh, and the help of BMI. Lots of great things in this one. Lots of uh, great stories. Let's get to it. Here is Stories Behind the Songs with my guest this week and my friend James McNair. Hey guys, this is Chris Blair with another episode of Stories Behind the Songs, and I'm here today with my buddy James McNair. James, good to have you, dude. Man, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, we've been talking about this for a while, and I'm glad that we we finally got it together. So yeah, man, got you here early. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, man, like we've known each other for uh, gosh, I don't know, five years maybe now, something like that. Um, I was trying to think, uh, was it St. Augustine that we met? I think we? so. Okay, yeah. I might have met you in passing yeah. just through playing here, but yeah, probably. Yeah. Like we we really got close down at St. Augustine's Songwriters Festival, and that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, like I know a lot of your story, but I just want to like I always love to kind of let listeners know a little bit about like your background and what you got you here. So you're from South Carolina, grew up kind of on a golf course and playing rock music and uh went to Alabama and yeah got here so like kind of kind of like give give me the uh the quick uh quick version of you know just the highlights of of childhood and getting to Nashville yeah I uh so yeah I grew up in a small town um called Aiken South Carolina and um picked up a guitar at like seven years old it was this old um guitar that my grandma found in an attic and uh it was an electric guitar, which is um, normally, you know, you find an old guitar and it's an acoustic. So I begged and begged and begged for probably months um, before I had a birthday to get me an amp. And I remember just crossing my fingers that it would actually work. And we got this little Ibanez amp from the music store and plugged the guitar in and somehow it worked. And <laughs> Back in those days, I could say uh, I'm a little bit older than the the new crowd. I'm about to turn 35, so that was in the 90s. So then, um, you know, pretty much primarily what I was listening to was uh, rock radio. So a lot of those songs were um, not the hardest to play when you talk about like Lenny Kravitz and um, Bush and Nirvana. So um, the first chords I learned how to play were power chords and I just made a bunch of racket and uh, distortion all the way. Oh up. yeah, distortion. Yeah. yeah, the next thing I begged for was a distortion pedal. That was a must-have, yeah. and so that changed my whole my whole life right there. Once I got that pedal, and so I'd learn snippets of songs and and try to get through them. And 
so that carried me on to um, middle school and high school, and I would find uh, random guys in my town that uh, would want to jam, and we'd either go to a basement or a garage and just make a bunch of noise. Like, uh, had a buddy who was a drummer, and then another guitar player, and we get together, and um, after probably months of rehearsing, we could get through two or three songs, like from start to finish, yeah. and the rest was just racket and jams, and um, man, it uh, it really um, the venom of music really sunk into my veins though at that point, and uh, I just loved playing and performing. So we we had a band in high school, and we'd play um, like those two or three songs, and play for people and I really enjoyed it and then um, I went to college at University of Alabama for uh, my first two two or so years of school and I had a roommate drop out and I had a whole room dorm room to myself so I pretty much moved the same operation I had back home I got a drum set in there and like a little uh, bass rig and bass guitar and I'd find people in my dorm to jam and we'd put uh, pillowcases on the drums and uh, go in there and try to make just as much (laughs) noise where uh, they wouldn't care and the dorm uh, was was called Patey Hall at Alabama and uh, it was just a wild dorm so no one cared I mean, they were rolling kegs up there and all that kind of stuff. So no one cared when we were up there playing music. And the guys that I was playing with at that time, since it was such a, you know, big college, there were really good players there. So that kind of upped my game. And once my roommate moved out, I was able to write a lot more. And I started uh, figuring out structures of songs. Like I, I had probably written a handful of songs at that point, but the intros were long and the verses were too long and there was really no hook and, um, I started diving into uh, YouTube came out in 2006, I believe, or some at that point, and you could get on there and there were some early videos of uh, songwriting and structure. And I, I really focused on trying to write like some songs that made sense from um, the start to the finish. And I did that. And then uh, <clears throat> I went, I'll see, I'm trying to think when I, I dropped out of school, um, couldn't really find a major and it was costing my dad a lot of money. So then I dropped out, um, went back home, worked for him for like six more months and then transferred to South Carolina. And that's when I really got serious about music because I was in a couple bands. I played drums for one of them and then I played guitar in another. And we were actually playing, you know, 25 to 30 songs from start to finish and actual sets and stuff. And that's when I really leaned into writing a lot on my own. And I was in a band right before I moved to Nashville for about a year, and we played in the Southeast, and um, random people would come up and say, hey, what's that fourth song you played? And I said, well, I wrote it. And they were like, Kenny Chesney could sing that song. And I thought it was so, I was like, what is he talking about? Because I was so green, I didn't realize the uh, songwriting community mm. in Nashville. I you know, grew up listening to Springsteen, and I was a huge uh, Jason Isbell fan, and pretty much all the people that I listened to wrote their own songs. So I didn't really even, you know, realize the uh, magnitude of what the business was here for songwriting. So dove into that, figured out that, oh, wow, there's a whole community doing it in Nashville. I'd never been here, never visited. And then I I came up in the um, fall of 2012 and just fell in love with it and knew that I had to be here. So um, came back home, uh, had a boat that I had in high school that I bought with graduation money that my mom almost killed me that I did. And so I sold it 
and uh, found a job up here at Brentwood Country Club and lined everything up to where I moved um, March 1st of uh, 2013. And that's what got me to Nashville. Wow. So you uh, you just hit 10 years. I did. Yeah. I did. Yep. And I still feel like a baby. Yeah. Which is so funny. Well, um, everybody says it's a 10-year town. And I mean, it's like it, there's so many people that, I, you know, pe- people get lucky and it doesn't happen uh, in 10 years. It's sooner um, or later. But um, yeah, I mean, you've really had a lot of success over the last few years. And, uh, so let's jump into that. Like once you, once you move here, 2013, mm-hmm. you're here for how long until you, uh, start getting messages from BK from Florida, Georgia. So I was here, um, for about two years. Um, and I have to give a huge shout out to, uh, to BMI. Um, at the time I was meeting, um, with Bradley Collins and, uh, Leslie Roberts. And there was a guy there, um, Mark, guys. Mark Mason yeah. was there at the time. And I had, was working at Brentwood and, um, writing songs and I would go in to meet with BMI and Mark would always tell me, um, and I hated hearing it, but, <laughs> I would bring him in songs and he would say, okay, this is what we're going to do. I want you to bring in three of your favorite songs every three months. And I'm going to pick my favorite out of those three. And until we have a batch of about four or five to send to publishers, um, you're just going to have to keep meeting with me. And I remember being like, mm. oh, I, I write every day, and which I was. I, I had found some some co-writers and great writers in town. Summer Overstreet, who's rocking. Oh, yeah. um, and shoot like John Langston, uh, Murphy Elmore. Um, and at that time it was Ray Fulcher and Luke Combs had just come into town. So we were grinding. So I remember hearing that and being like, and everyone, you know, that moves to Nashville, this, their latest song is their greatest song. And it didn't get through my head that it's like, you'll never, it's, you're always on to the next one and you can't kind of, you know, sit around and sit on idle and just hope that one of these songs that you wrote in the past six months are going to do it. You always have to just push forward and go week after week and day after day looking for that next great hook or next great melody. So as the time went on, I met with Mark, like it's down to a T for about a year and a half. And I Mm. played him a few songs every few months. And I remember walking into his office one day and I played him three songs and he liked one of them from the batch. And he looks, he's like, wow, James, we have pretty much four songs that I could send out and they're great. Like, are, I think you're ready to start taking meetings. And I was like, yeah, I've been ready. But in his, you know, um, in his, to his credit, he was right. Yeah. And I took a lot of um, meetings early on in town through connections that I made in networking and I just wasn't ready. They were good songs, but they weren't great songs. Yeah, And they were great connections that I made and the meetings were fine, but I never, I was always wondering, well, why didn't I get a call back or why didn't I get a follow-up meeting or it's because the songs were good. They weren't great. And so once we had those batch of four, he was sending them out to publishers and I was getting some meetings, but randomly one day, um, Brian Kelly from Florida Georgia line emailed him and said, Hey, we're starting this publishing company called tree vibes music do you have anybody that um, you're meeting with that you really think uh, is a is a good, you know, writer that would be a good fit? And so he um, introduced BK to me just over email. And I remember getting the email and I was um, over at Luke's writing 
and it was some crazy like BK at Tree Vibes, but it didn't have like a couple of the letters in it. And I remember us, we were sitting there for like 30 minutes. We're like, we're getting trolled. Like someone is trolling us because we have some like buddies with great sense of humor. As you know, that camp and whoever else like that would do that kind of thing, you know? And um, so I was like, well, what do I have to lose? If it is BK, amazing. I'll send them songs. If it's not, we'll find out who it is and laugh about it. So um, he just, hey, send me some songs. So I sent him some songs and, you know, a few weeks later, send me some more songs. So I sent probably shoot a whole album's worth of song i mean probably 15 songs and uh, he was like well i want to link you up with uh one of the first writers we signed jordan schmidt and i wrote with mm-hmm. him and a guy named zach lockwood who was um hanging around in that circle at the time and we wrote a really cool song so uh bk liked it and so i went back to meet with mark and we talked about the meeting and uh I ended up writing some more over at Tree Vibes and Dane Schmidt was running it at the time. And without, you know, uh, missing this huge step, I was at Sony for about a year writing with their writers, like John Langston and Murphy were yeah. over there. So I had um, had a really good relationship with Tom Luteran and um, Josh Van Valkenburg and Troy Tomlinson at the time. And I was like um, the annoying fly in the building where they were like, you're not signed here, but you're here almost every day. Yeah. And so Tom finally was like, what's your deal, man? You know how he is. Yeah. He's like, what, what What? do you have going on? Are you meeting with anybody? And I told him, I was like, well, I've had a couple meetings with Tree Vibes and uh, I really like BK. They're starting something cool over there. And he just point blank told me, because like I said, I'd been over at Sony for about a year and a half. He's like, if you can find someone to team up with us, like Tree Vibes or whoever you're meeting with, it's a good fit. We'll do a JV. We'll team up. And right now we just have too many writers to take you on as like a, a sole writer at Sony. So, of course, uh, me, you know, being um, the f- kind of runner and chaser of opportunities, I went back to Trevise and I was like, hey, here's the proposition. You got one of the biggest publishers in the world and they want to team up. I think it'll be good for you guys for the admin side and have that relationship with a big company since you're starting out and I can be the guy to do it. Take me, you know, and team up and um, let's do this deal. So they kicked the can down the road and realized that, hey, this could be a good opportunity. And within six months of Dane and Tom meeting and um, Tyler and BK talking about it, and it just kind of went in circles for a bit. Um, I was signed in November of 2015, and I think we started talking in the spring. So it was a good six months, and it was uh, very stressful, and it was very (laughs) – but it was a good stress, um, you know, some – but it's, you know, as anyone knows in town, when you're especially getting courted for your first deal or you're going after your first deal, unless you have a ton of momentum or um, a ton of leverage, uh, you're pretty much at the mercy – of those companies to say, okay, we're going to do it. So I remember there's about three months where I was like, oh my gosh, it's not going to happen. And then the next day, oh, it's still on. And it's, it was that push and pull of that. But uh, that's how I ended up with um, those two companies for my first deal. Yeah, that's incredible, man. And that's, you know, everything is slow in the music industry. Um, but looking back now, um, you know, and how long you've been in town and, and watched, you know, all of, we've got so many mutual friends. Um, you know, there's so many talented people that like three years is also very quick, very quick. So it's like that it's once it starts going, it's yeah, it seems like, my gosh, is this ever going to happen? You know, and it's, 
weeks and months of nothing, you know, but, um, but that's really incredible, man. And it's a testament to your writing, which is, um, you know, what I knew the first time I, I heard you playing, you know, and really listening at St. Augustine, you know, like, um, just the, the lyric and, and melody that you come up with is just incredible, man. Thank you, man. Yeah. It's, um, and it's one of those things too, that, um, when you do it so much, uh, and I was writing every single day, I learned that it was the learning curve of, I never wrote with any co-writers until I moved to Nashville. So that pretty much, uh, opened my entire world to better songs and better mel. I learned so much in my first two and a half years of writing with Mm. other people that I think that's what bridged the gap of me um, being able to meet and have songs is just being able to learn from the community and also on the songwriting side, but the business side. I met a lot of great people on the way that was like, hey, don't sign that or that's a bad deal or, hey, this song is almost, I, you know, almost there, but the hook doesn't quite land or the melody and really being able to take a step back and kind of get out of it for a minute and, and being able to say, okay, well, this is a wrong business decision or this is a wrong idea for the hook of a song and not it pretty much take um, yourself out of it and just know that you are still learning. But like I said, at the time I was 25 or 26, you know, you think you know everything and then you find out um, very quickly that you know nothing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Well, so you're you're signed. You've got a great deal, uh, and you start just knocking out great songs. Take me into um, the first number one. Okay, um, the first number one that I had uh, was "Loving on You" um, with Luke, and we had been writing for for years up to that point. But uh, we wrote that song, I believe, in 2017. And it was the first weekend that he had his own bus. And so he was in a great mood. As you know, like artists, um, when they get their own bus and then he had his band and crew on another bus, it's a huge step. Yeah, That's like, I would say one of, if you ask any artist that's ever done anything from pop to rock to country, when you get your your own bus, you know that you're doing something right. So he was in a great mood. We were in Kansas City. And we were in the front lounge, and it was uh, Thomas Archer, Ray Fulcher, and Luke and I. And I remember um, we we started riffing um, on that um, that riff in E, and just kind of having a fun time, boot stomping. Just and pretty much, uh, if I remember right, that section of time was about two hours after we had like kicked around so many ideas, and it was more so kind of like a Hail Mary of, all right, let's just forget about all this stuff that we've talked about and just do something fun and and see what spills out. And I'm telling you that song spilled out in about 45 minutes. Um, We put it down on a work tape. And by that time, it was probably the afternoon and it was getting um, near sound check. And Luke always likes to go sound check. So we like rushed and got it down on the work tape and didn't think anything about it and put the, our phones in our pockets, went and saw him at sound check partied that night the show was great and I think we wrote another song the next day and then came back home and um, I think it took from the time we wrote that another year or two before he recorded it and then it landed on he put an initial EP out before um, the second album and it was uh, on that EP and then it went on to the record and 
I, I mean, months went by, probably almost a year, um, when the uh, from the EP to the to the album coming out. And I remember I was at his bachelor party, and uh, he was just just nonchalantly came up to me. He's like, "Hey, man!" He just like tapped me on the on the <laughs> knees, like, "You got the next single." And I was like, "What?" And he just walked away like it was like <laughs> it, it was so funny, man, because at that point he had had so much success. And I think um, he just wanted to see my reaction. Yeah. He's a, a, a trip. So I was freaking out and we went and played paintball and it was a great day. And uh, that's one thing about him is he's uh, very, very, very true to, to his words and he won't, you know, he won't BS around, and so I knew um, pretty much everything he's he's ever told me he's done, or and and it's come true. So I knew that it was real then. And uh, they put it out in the summer um, of 2020, which was actually the perfect time for me because I remember being so burned out, and I'd had some, I had two or three singles that one had peaked in the 30s, one had peaked in the 50s. Like it was at that point where I was like, am I ever going to get one that works? And um, and I remember it, it went to radio and just ripped up the charts. And, uh, that was a really, really great, um, moment at the right time in my career to be like, okay, I am here. It's, it's going to work. Um, I think that's probably one of the hardest things for any songwriter is that moment of where you've been doing it for long enough and you feel like you've written great songs and you've had the, the almost maybes and, the it's you know it's going to be the single but it's not the single or it is the single and it and it fails and for that one to go that changed my whole um i would say just my life for one yeah. um but it also changed my uh mindset on okay this can actually happen and it put me on a better in a, in a better spot mentally i yeah. think yeah yeah this episode is brought to you by brit skin beauty Located in the beautiful Indulgence Medi Spa in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, Brittany is the go-to esthetician for facials, dermaplaning, microdermabrasion, waxing, lashes, and any skincare products and consultations. So many people in the music industry use her frequently, and her work speaks for itself. To schedule your next consultation or make an appointment, visit BritSkinBeauty.com or send an email to BritSkinBeauty at gmail.com. Man, so how how was that for you? Like, le, like let's say like as it's it the, in the top ten, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're you're watching it climb. You're like, oh my gosh, like this one's this one's going somewhere. It's in the top ten, not quite number one. Um, where's where's your headspace at that point? Um, I think at that point it, it was going so fast, and I just remember um, just having songs that never went that fast and. I, I just had a feeling and I knew the trajectory he was on. It was more like a, a matter of when, not if, you know? Yeah, so at yeah. the top 10, we were probably partying. It was still like just enjoying it, man. I just remember uh, I I was driving down the road after playing golf and I heard it on the radio for the first time. And uh, I had a moment, man. It was like, it was a beautiful day out. I had the windows down. I was driving home and it was, and it was on and it felt so good on the radio and part of me, and that was when it was like in the twenties, and I was just like, "Man, this is gonna work." I just, I, I just knew, uh, just with the history of of his career and how everything was going, and um, it ended up, um, I think, in the fall of twenty twenty, it went for like four weeks, which was in, insane. Yeah. I always, I was almost like, 
feeling bad. There were people up in the charts uh, kind of near us texting me like, dude, will you guys get out of the way? And I was like, I'm not doing <laughs> it. It's not me. I'm not the promotion team. And um, it, it was a... Um, but I'm not going to tell them to stop. <laughs> I'm not going to tell them to stop. Um, exactly. So it was, uh, yeah, it was special, man. And um, shoot, anything you get in this town is special. From a hold to a cut to a, it's so hard. Yeah. It's so competitive. So... I got to bring this up because because uh, it was just so funny. But uh, we had uh, my wife and I had you and your wife Katie out yeah. to the house mm-hmm. uh, for dinner one night, and I think it might have been at like number three or something at that yeah. point. Do you remember this? Yes. So uh, we we made a cake, and I decorated like number one party like or something like that, and yeah. like brought it out, and you freaked out. You're like, "What are you doing? You're jinxing it!" But, like, <laughs> But but it was the same. Like I was like, it's not slowing down, man. This is this is gonna be the number one. Like, I do remember like, that. That was funny. I was like, no, no, yeah, no. It's, like, peak at it's not two. a number one. I was like, I know, but it will be. So yeah, <laughs> I think I was the first one to get you a number one cake. That's, that's right. <laughs> you did. You were first to the to the party yeah. on that one. I love it, man. That's so cool. So um, so that one goes number one. Big party, big celebration. And then kind of walk me through the steps after that because like things just kind of started pouring out very quickly and happening after that. Yeah. So after that, um, you know, and, and I think like, like I said, every songwriter goes through it. You also, as far as, uh, it's like two sides of your brain. It's like one side is relieved and the other side is like, when's my next one? You know, the, the competitive slash like, okay, I have to keep this momentum going. So, um, I just, man, I just kept writing and I, um, I feel like I I was getting like a consistent amount of um, of cuts, and that uh, that was a whole lot different than what it was. Um, you know, my first two years of my deal, I'd get some cuts here and there, and um, so from that point on, um, I just really really put if I was in fourth gear, I was putting it in fifth, and I was writing you know twice a day and trying to pretty much get anything in the bin that I could. And from that point on, it was just, um, I was blessed to have, you know, some cuts come through. And I think a lot of people don't realize, but I've only had uh, two number ones. My second one was going, going, gone, which was my most recent one. Um, but I've been blessed to have, um, a lot of songs recorded between that time and, and, uh, loving on you. So, yeah. 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 Do you have a favorite? Oh geez, yeah, I get asked this a lot. Um, you know, I I have a lot of favorites for different reasons. Um, one of my favorites, and I've I've stuck to this for a long time, but I wrote a song with Combs called "Used to You," and it was one of the uh, first you know couple songs that we wrote. And I went into that right, and I wanted I, I had that title, and I I wanted to write like a breakup song like I'm never getting used to you you know being gone type thing and my uncle had passed away a couple weeks before that and we were talking about that and it was unexpected and that song spilled out I remember Luke saying this song isn't about a breakup let's write it about you know a loss um in the family or make it at least where it's up to the you know the listener maybe it is a relationship maybe it is but it kind of turned into more of a a loss of a friend or a family member. And I remember writing that song 
and it was super special. Mm. And we did this um, this live at Izzy's thing where uh, we had some guys that used to Preston Leatherman, you know Preston. Yeah. He had a um, film crew, and then we went in there and we recorded that song. And Luke put it up on, or they put it up on YouTube uh, under Luke. And I remember it just like going crazy, and a lot of people loved it. And I've signed more lyric sheets and sent more pics and more um, stuff about that song for what it means to people. Um, I'll get DMs or I'll get uh, just random people reaching out through mutual friends of, hey, my uncle passed away when I was this young or my dad or my mom. It's it's mostly a lot of um, immediate family members that they're so... Um, tied in with that song and that means so much to them and I just remember thinking you know even though it's flown under the radar commercially I think all the Luke fans know it yeah and a lot of other people but for it not to be a radio single or or a spotlight kind of song it's been one of my favorites just because for what it's meant to other people yeah yeah man that's great when did you write that we wrote that, shoot, I want to say we wrote that in 2014. Okay, yeah, I thought it was a while ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, right after you moved to town. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Man, that's great. Um, so let's let's talk about uh, life on the road, too, because you've been able to um, jump on the bus with – Luke and other guys mm-hmm. um, that that you're good friends with, and uh, you know, go to go to different shows and and write. So, how's that been? Man, I would say that's what really I think kickstarted my writing career. I mean, Tree Vibes music um, was the first, if if I'm right, as far as a, a publishing company to, to take a bus out on the road consistently, and so my first three years of that company, I was pretty much gone every weekend on whatever tour they were on. And, you know, the beauty of, of being out on a big tour like that. And those guys were on fire. I mean, Mm -hmm. top of the world, they were playing, um, huge arena shows, uh, huge shed shows of outside were 25, 30,000 people. And it really sinks into your writing when you're out there in the crowd and you're like, okay, they're reacting to this song or what's this tempo make them feel or Mm, what's this part of the set. And you also look at it from the other way of, okay, if I'm writing for this band, which we were, it was, uh, you know, a hundred percent FGL. And if it wasn't for them, we were pitching it, you know, um, what are they missing? What could they use? What's a tempo that would be wacky for them? That would be a fun part for, um, the audience and, um, BK and Tyler, are amazing song guys Mm -hmm. and they are very, you know, they're very in tune to what they need, um, what would work for them. And it was basically, um, as Craig Wiseman called it, I remember it floated around when they had that uh, bus. He was like, uh, Tyler runs that thing like a landscaping company. It's just bam, 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 bam. And it was, it was like that in the best of ways. Like it was very, um, it was work hard, play hard mentality. Like you'd wake up at 10 in the morning and you kick around ideas and you'd start writing at 11 and you get one or two songs done that day. And the poor producers, I mean, they had to sit there and get the track done because those guys, they wanted to listen to the song after the show. And, uh, but it was a factory. It was a machine and it was extremely successful. Um, 
and not only for me, but for a lot of guys like Jordan and and Corey uh, Crowder and a, a bunch of guys that um, there were tons of big songs off that bus, like Simple and um, uh, Make It Easy um, for Aldine. Like there was, uh, and so with that being said, when you'd hear these songs and you were out there, there was that hope that once you know you were out there for a year, a lot of you saw a lot of these songs go from cuts to singles. So the energy as you could you know um imagine was holy crap this is our chance like we're out here so that was a breaking point for me i think of just realizing that it could happen as well and um having their ears directly on it and if it wasn't for them they could get it to kane brown or they could get it to aldine or whoever else and then that spilled out into going out on the road with luke a lot um cadillac three um uh, Dylan Scott, Parmalee. I mean, a lot of guys. Um, so I'm pretty well versed on the road. I can, yeah. I, I, I know it to a T and every arena is pretty much the same. And, um, it's, it's one of those things that you have to just go out there and with the mindset that some artists, um, are more, um, workhorses than others out on the road because they have so many different other things, you know, going on, but just trying to get as much as you can out there without pushing, um, but also having a good time and being a good hang. Yeah. 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 I love it, man. So, uh, what's next? I mean, you've, you've also, uh, you're obviously still writing great songs and still doing that, but you've put some stuff out on your own too. I have, uh, yeah, I, I have pretty much a, an album in the, in the can that's ready to go. I've just been putting songs out here and there, but have a big tour, um, coming up in the fall that, uh, that Luke asked me to, to come out and it's, um, I'm opening for him, uh, overseas. Dude, come on. I didn't know this. You didn't know that? No. Yeah. yeah. I love it. In Europe. So, um, it's going to be Ray Fulcher and Drew Parker and I first of three. Oh, man. And so it's going to be a writer's round. Yeah. And I, he told me at the beach and I, I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, man. He's like over there. It's different in Europe. It's different. Yeah. Like they listen, they'll love you. Like, um, we need to do this. So, we're first of three, and then um, 49 Winchester is direct, yeah. and then it's him. And so I just wanted to make sure I had music ready to go. So like I said, I have a, an album that will come out um, shooting for September, uh, and then the tour starts in October. That's so cool, man. Yeah, yeah I, I did not know that. So yeah. that's exciting. It is, man. I'm, I'm. I told my wife, I was like, man, if it slips up and I get a song that starts going over there, maybe I just we won't come back. And she's <laughs> like, she laughs. She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not opposed to that. But they, um, watching Kip Moore, um, who I've been able to, uh, you know, really dial into kind of what he's done. Um, I really respect his yeah. career because he's crushing it over there. Yeah. And there's a lot of folks like Cadillac 3 and yep. knowing Jaren for so long, they've um, really embraced that market. And the difference from the States to over there is they don't get a ton of country because the amount of money it costs for like um, our guys to go over there is it's a lot of money between yep. getting cartage and getting the, the instruments and the band over there and all that. But so when you go over there, they they treat it as um, almost a treat. You know, they're like, oh my gosh, this band. So they, they almost pay a little bit of extra attention to whereas in Nashville, it's like we're having music all the time. So yeah. people can kind of pick and choose. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really excited about that opportunity. 
That's going to be yeah. We're, we're going to have to talk offline about that. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe I need to plan a Europe trip. Yeah. Come on. That'd be great. Yeah. All right. Well, as we uh, as we wrap up, I always kind of like to end, um, you know, asking the same question. So you've come a long way since the power chords mm-hmm. um, and having your own uh, band practice room in the dorms of Alabama. <laughs> uh, so uh, after, you know, 10 years of being in town and all of that, if you could go back to eight year old James um, running around the golf course with your dad, um, what advice would you give yourself at this point? Um, Eight-year-old James, I would say don't try to fit in because I remember in high school I got in a lot of trouble and it went on through college just partying and kind of you know losing my way in that point because I was trying to fit in. And I think if I could go back, I would save myself um, a lot of uh, – heartbreak and a lot of my parents heartbreak and a lot of uh probably money um but at eight years old be like just be yourself and don't try to fit into a crowd and and try to impress people and um I spent a lot of years just um trying to find my way and I think that would have helped me Hmm. so that's great yeah yeah anything else we want to talk about Man, unless you got something. It's, it's been fun, dude. Thank I, you for having me, man. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait to, uh, you know, my, my goal is obviously to share the stories behind the songs with mainly songwriters, because that's what we do every day, but um, studio guys and road guys and, you know, all of the behind the scenes. But what I'm really looking forward to is coming back and sitting down with guests like you in another year or two. And, uh, you know, hopefully this podcast is still going and, you know, just talk about where you've come from, from this point on. So I love we'll it. have to do it again. Absolutely. All right. Well, Thank dude, you, thanks man. so much. Yeah. Absolutely, dude. This has been another episode of Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair and my guest today, James McNair. We'll see you next time. This has been an episode of Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. For more information after the show, head over to chrisblair.com. That's where you can find information on these episodes, trailer notes, video links, all kinds of great stuff. Also, make sure to leave us a great rating on iTunes. Like and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. I really hope that you think this show is awesome and we really appreciate the love and support. I promise to keep gathering great content and continuing to sit down with more amazing songwriters and artists as we grow. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for the support. We'll see you next time.